are you getting away with selling a depression medication that causes people to kill themselves? Like, people don't see through that. Like I said, if you just chant, meditate, whatever your meditation is, when you quiet your mind, whatever you, whatever it is you want to do, yoga, meditation, eating healthy and exercising, I guarantee that's the three-prong effect to health mm -hmm. right there. That's the spear. That's the trident of fucking health. Don't get all stressed out by life. You know, this stress is going to come, but you, you have to learn how to manage it. Eat healthy and exercise. And you're not going to need all of these meds. You know, you're not going to need this bullshit. That was John Joseph McGowan, and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Welcome back. I am your host, Jess. And every week, we, meaning myself and Beej, my co-host, love, training buddy, and partner in Yogi Triathlete, we bring you people who are looking, finding, and living their purpose. This show is about helping us connect through story to experience on a level of knowing that although our struggles may look different at first, they are essentially the same, meaning that we're more similar than different. And once we can embody this understanding, the path to our interconnectedness will be unlocked. Athletes, entrepreneurs, plant-based advocates, parents, doctors, authors, and musicians are just some of the types of people we bring you because there is no limit on this show. There is no story that doesn't matter. And in the case of today's guest, sometimes the stories are just too mind-blowing not to share. So first, let's address what you may have picked up on in the intro clip, the quality of the sound. So I made a mistake, and I didn't connect our mics through the software. So what happened was the entire conversation was recorded through the internal mic of my laptop. The good news is that we captured our chat with John, but the sound is going to be different than what you're used to with the YTP. The other good news is that it shows me how awesome our mics are, and the final piece of good news is that I got this intense schooling on forgiving myself, accepting imperfection, and finding harmony in a new way that I definitely would not have chosen. And second, this podcast is about authenticity, and if anyone knows John Joseph, then they know that he comes with an abundant array of colors within his dialect, a.k.a. this podcast is explicit to every extent of that rating. So maybe not pop this on during the school carpool times or at family dinner table, unless, of course, you're into that, then turn it up. Our intention is not to exclude our listeners. So if curse words and harsh language is something that doesn't sit well with you, we completely understand but the reality of the story is that John's story is so powerful that I just couldn't help but bring it to you in its raw and true form. Conceived during a heinous act of violence, John Joseph McGowan was born into a dynasty of darkness and groomed for a life of brutality. Watching his mother be beat beyond recognition by his alcoholic, prize-fighting father, starved, bullied, and abused for years in foster care, boys' homes, and institutions, John Joseph escaped his living hell for another. At the age of 14, he was living on the streets of New York City, sleeping in burnt-out buildings, earning money as a drug mule and hustler. He has been shot stabbed, beaten, and eventually busted, which landed him in Spofford Correctional Institute, a juvenile detention facility known for its own type of terror. 
It's difficult to encapsulate the violence that John Joseph lived for decades. But today, after following him for the last three years through social media, podcasts, his books, and most recently sitting across from him in his home in New York City to record this podcast, I see a man who is a living example of redemption. I see goodness and love and laughter and selfless service. I see someone who prayed for another way and took it when it showed up. He is a man of no excuses, and he's willing to do what it takes to bolster a mode of goodness in this world. He is a plant-based Ironman triathlete, a spiritual practitioner, a recovering alcoholic and drug addict, author of Evolution of a Cro-Magnon, and Meat is for Pussies. He is also the lead singer of the Cro-Mags punk rock band, a genre of music that served as conduit to his recovery. He serves the youth of today in any way that he can, from speaking in schools to maximum security prisons. He feeds the homeless, and because of the extremity of his story, John reaches a population that many of us would be too frightened to even approach. As much darkness as there is in his story, there is light, and we hope you can listen beyond the new sound and language of this episode and see the depth of humanity that shines bright from the very genuine and beautiful John Joseph. So this podcast is launching on September 30th, which means that it's the last day for you guys to leave your review of the show on iTunes and get yourself in the running to win a Trigger Point Therapy Collection Kit. So if you do leave a review or when you do leave your review, please email us a copy so we know who you are. So there's been some that have been left under aliases, and we just want to make sure that if you're the winner, that we have the means of contacting you with your winnings. So just add that easy step onto your list and get it done. One last thing is our October giveaway will be underway as of tomorrow, and for this, we'll be partnering with LifeStraw. The winner will receive one LifeStraw Go bottle with its two-stage filtration. These bottles go for 50 bucks a pop. And if you're anything like us, which I think you are since you're listening to this, you always want to have your water with you. And this bottle makes life so much easier because you can always be topped off. It makes contaminated water clean and safe to drink. So check out the show notes for the details on these giveaways. And also just because this week's collection of show links is extensive. We've got some great videos of John, links to his site, his books, and so many other related topics that we discuss in today's show. There's not much we don't cover. From plant-based eating to John's harrowing story, GMOs and the Ironman World Championships in Kona, which John is less than 10 days out from, there's so much here and you are now officially released to tune into our raw, jaw-dropping and inspiring conversation with John Joseph McGowan. So you're getting a new machine for Kona. Yeah, are we recording? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're official. Yes, uh, I'm rocking the felt uh, for Kona. How's Gotta your get on uh, something new? Yeah, how's your training going and everything? It's good. I mean, you know, it's uh, I just recorded a new album and I got a ton of other stuff going on, but you know, I maintain. Uh, my nutrition and stuff like that and uh this month i'm going real hard so i just been hitting like the 75 mile 80 mile bricks and getting off the bike running swimming dude i love the brick like yeah. the long ride to the, just yeah. the tough run it's, it's it's uh challenging but uh you know you got to do it and uh it's going good 
But I, I'm, I've been looking at this felt for a while, and my buddy just got Sean Fowler. Shout out to Sean. <laughs> just got me the crazy deal on it. So, uh, you know, he's so, vegan too. He's a used to be a pro. He went from – he was an explosives expert, and then he went to freaking uh, – and then he was a professional mountain bike racer. So I ride with him just because he kicks my ass all over New York City. But he's uh, he works at Paragon. He's the buyer. And as you know, this is a very expensive sport. And he's managed to get me a bunch of endorsements and stuff from like Rudy Project Helmets. Bob Kirk, Kirkup is a cool dude. So I've been getting as many sponsorships as, as I can to, you know. Yeah, every bit helps. Especially yeah. in this sport. Yeah, it's it expensive. You know, you're paying for three sports. If it wasn't for Sean Fowler, I would fucking be in debt like uh, more than I am now. How'd you get into triathlon? I don't think I know that story. I know you. The first Ironman you did was New York City. Yeah. Was that your first triathlon? That was my first triathlon nice, ever. Dude. Uh, well, you know, I saw, like I said, I just did something on Vice TV. So if you go to, if you put in Google. Uh, Vice Vegan Iron Man. They did an eighteen minute minute, uh, eighteen minute uh, mini documentary on me. They followed me for Boulder, my diet, training, the whole nine. And I said I saw uh, Iron Man in eighty one on Wide World of Sports, and I was like, holy fucking shit! Like I'm gonna do that race one day, man. It just was so like it's not the pros that like you know com- complete uh, you know. Uh, completed so easily it's the stories of all the age group athletes and like i said what they had to go through like my friend james brady he's got three kids he's a new york city firefighter full-time job and uh you know still crushing like eight hour not nine hour ironmans and stuff he just did placid 1033 so it's like i was i was just moved by the age group of stories and I went through a lot of shit as a kid and I was like, I'm going to challenge myself one day and do that race. And then, uh, I started, you know, I've always been swimming, running, biking and stuff like that. So I got into Sid's bikes, which has helped me tremendously on the West side, the shop there. And one of the guys, uh, Orion Mims was, he's done like, you know, 12 fulls, 30 something halves. He's like a stud. And he's like, yo, we started hooking up through the guys he knew in the bike shop. He's like, I can get you in this uh, Ironman New York City. It's the first one. It's going to be huge in New York. And he just started being like, okay, this is what you got to do. And then it was like all these, you know, the tri dorks that I can't stand. They're like, I think you should try to do it here first. I'm like, motherfucker, do I know you? Do you know what I've been through? Like, I, you know, if I set my mind on something, you know, you get that's me what done. Yoga and meditation and mm-hmm. everything I get into. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, you gotta rise above all the doubts. You know, that's what Krishna told Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita. Totally, you know? man. And you know better than anyone that. Um, you can do anything, like, if your mindset's yeah, in the right place. Yeah, it's the mind, is the real, that's your real demon, that's the real enemy, like, you know, that's what it says in the Gita, that for an uncontrolled mind, it's your worst enemy, but one who has conquered the mind, it's his best of friends, so, I'm like, once I say, you know, and then you put the groundwork in with the nutrition, and, I mean, I'm on, like, superfoods, so, you know, like, just a lot of raw, I do my E3 live, wheatgrass, 
you know, so it's like, I eat so clean. I don't do any drugs. I don't drink. I don't, you know, obviously don't smoke. So I'm like, I'm going to do it. And I did it. And I played a show the night before with the Crow Mags because the drummer messed up and booked the show thinking that the triathlon was like, you know, the week before or whatever. And so we had this big concert in Philadelphia for like 2000 people. And then I had to drive back, take a shower, no sleep. I had a stress fracture in my foot and I just, and it was funny cause I, I, I made it there and I caught the last ferry up to the transition to Rostock and it was all the pros. And I'm like, you know, up all night, and I'm like, yeah, you know, hey, you want some Vega? And they're like, yo, like, they're all got their headphones oh, yeah, on in the zone. It. They're just like, get the fuck away from me. Who like this fucking moron? They're like, how'd you get on this boat? Like, really? That's what they were like, nah, you know. But, uh, yeah, so I did it, and, I mean, it was brutal. It was like 96 degrees humidity, you know, August in New York City. But I got it done. I did 13 hours, whatever. It wasn't, you know, I don't, I'm getting better. I'm getting a coach next year. So like my times are going down, but I just try to enjoy the journey and not be a dick about it, which a lot of those mm -hmm. fucking triathletes, I'm just like, totally. shut the fuck yep. up. Like, you know, smack. But I think, I think like a lot of that of what you see is, um, you know, people are just like living in their ego and people yeah. are just like, trying to race these races with an untrained mind. Not only that, a lot of them's doing fucking, you know, performance enhancing mm -hmm. drugs. Even the age groupers to get in Kona and cheating. And I don't do any drugs, so I'm not going to race taking no drugs. My, my, you know, and uh, I just do it to have fun. It's it's not my whole life. I'm not a professional triathlete. I'm just, it's, it's part of my whole regiment of my chanting, my meditation, my diet, helping the homeless. And that's just one of the other things I do is I compete in, in, in race Ironman. It's, it's part of my regiment, you know, to, you know, to keep me fit at, I'm turning 54 and, uh, October 3rd, right before my race. So, you know, and you've been playing bass for a long time. Yeah, I started out raw in 80, the end of 80, 81. I met Victoria Skovinskis, the whole nine yards. I worked for the Bad Brains, and they were like, you know, Ital, which in Rastafari means like no oil, none of that. It's like really strict. And uh, so I got into it. You know, I came out of a hard time on the street. I don't know if. You guys know my book or whatever, Evolution of a Cro-Magnon. I grew up in really abusive foster homes. My father, like, almost killed my mom. He was a boxer. So the, we got taken out of the home and put in a really bad foster home. I was on the streets. I sold drugs. I did fucking crime. In this, I was in 77 on the streets of New York City as a, as a 14, 15-year-old kid. Like, I got shot in the leg, selling dust, like, fucking. So I got incarcerated. So I, you know, in 78, did almost two years. And, um, um, you know, it came from a very violent surroundings. And then I went into the Navy. Um, and uh, I was fucking up there, too, because I was a mess. I was, like, beating, pe beating people down on my ship. 
beat this dude till he shit his pants on my ship because he kept fucking with me. And I'm like, yo, dude, like, just leave it alone. And I was into punk rock and everything already. And uh, I just was beat him with a paint can. And uh, so I came from a real violent um, thing. And then, you know, I was searching for something, though, because I was like, why is my life so fucked up? What kind of karma, you know? And, and I started listening to Bob Marley, like, in 1980. And then I went to Jamaica with my ship. I met these rosters. And then I met the Bad Brains. And so it just kind of all, you know, when you're really looking for something, man, the universe, mm -hmm. Krishna, God, whatever, will start putting those messages out there. And then it's up to you to, you know, to take to it. So one of the things that they would tell me, you know, I got in a serious knife fight with these Puerto Ricans, uh, gang members, and I beat them with a chain. I got stabbed in the shoulder, but, you know, and then they, they squashed it because they, these guys were going to kill me. Nobody would hang out with me. Um, these guys, uh, sold, they had the biggest heroin spot in all of the United States on 11th street. And, um, yeah, so I fought them because the dude tried to stab me with a knife in the stomach and I beat him down and then, you know, so they, the bad brain squashed it for me. It was outside of their studio. And then they offered me like a job and I could stay at the studio and they were Rastafari. They're like, you can't do drugs. You can't eat meat. And then I went on tour with them and I was cooking for them. And then I got a job at a health food store and I was connected to Integral Yoga Institute. So I started taking yoga. I met Swami Satchinananda, Victoria Skovinskis. And then I just got into the yoga and the meditation. And then Hare Krishna, one of the guys worked there at Prana Foods, was um, we used to go to the temple. And he said, yo, you got to come check this out. And I went for the morning program and that was it. I was like, yo. And everybody sees the devotees chanting and whatever, and they just think there's nothing to it. But then when you start reading the Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita, Ishapanishads, you see that this is the deepest philosophy out there. And it's real yoga because it's, you know, it's about austerity and not just going to do some exercises and then walking out and smoking a cigarette and, you know, it's real yoga. It's controlling your senses. There's regulative principles. You don't just do whatever you want mm -hmm. and say, I do yoga. You know, that's, Prabhupada said that's gymnastics. So I really took to it. And then I became a monk and I was for a year and almost two years. I had shaved head. I lived in Hawaii, Puerto Rico, New York, and just lived the whole, uh, you know, kind of uh, monk life practice martial arts and um and then uh, i just had the calling for the music still so i was already playing music in 81 and then i was like yo i gotta do this music and then i injected the krishna conscious like lyrics into chromags like the age of quarrel means kali yuga that so that's what we call the first album it's like one of the classic punk hardcore records of all time up there with the bad brains and whatever, but it was really spiritually conscious. We had a song seekers of the truth and like all this real heavy stuff, but disguised in a way that the truth was getting out there, but not preaching on a soapbox to people, which nobody likes. So it's, I got the Sukriti means that they get the benefit 
whether they know it or not. And then I just been keeping with the music and all of that. But you know, like I said, the, I, I I I love doing triathlon. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not dissing on like I've met amazing people in the triathlon community. Like I would say, ninety five percent of everybody's just so fucking cool. And there's more and more every time I show up at these races because I've done the Rich Roll podcast and the shit on Vice, and mm-hmm. I got this other thing on Munchies, how to make a smooth. Like so, people are kind of getting hip to it, and more and more people are like, yo, I went plant based because of guys like uh, Rich Roll and you and Brandon and whatever. So you're seeing more and more people like in Boulder. I was eating at this restaurant downtown and all these like plant-based dudes that were racing were like, we were hanging out. It was cool. So, you know, most of the community is like really fucking solid people. And the plant-based movement is growing. Like we're finding it just from like, we're kind of on this cross country tour. We're moving out to California. Just the people that we've come in contact with the athletes that BJ coaches, like so many people, it's like the power of the food just kind of takes care of it. You don't really have to sell it. They look at you. You yeah. look great. You're doing Ironmans. Like, you're thriving in life. Yeah. Like, it kind of sells itself. Well, you know, that's what Prabhupada said. Example is better than precept. You know, you could talk all the shit you want. And I find in the 80s and 90s, the, the vegan shit got a bad label because of all that they ate shitty processed food and didn't work out. <laughs> and they were like chubby, out of shape people and then telling people to go vegan. And Joe Stud in the fucking gym is not trying to hear it. And now that more and more of these dudes, Tom Thompson and all these people, you know, the world record holder, weightlifter and boxers and all these people, it's like, you know, they're like, oh, shit, that guy don't, that guy's fucking vegan. That guy's plant-based. Get out of here. I'm like, yeah. And, you know, the whole thing is this whole, these industries have propagated this meat makes you macho bullshit uh and and and, you know vegetarians and vegans are sissies and all this shit because they try to they have to try to trick you into buying their fucking product now with the milk you know they have this milk versus almond milk commercial because less and less people are drinking milk less and less people are eating meat it's really starting to take off um you know and it, it solves, you know, many problems, uh, especially environmentally. And, and you know, I, I really got into it. I didn't learn all the health benefits until I started researching more. But, I, you know, I got into it because the Rastas were like, we don't have the right to take the life. Rastafari means prince of peace. So how are you going to say you're a prince of peace and you're fucking supporting industries that cut the throats of animals? That's why, you know, in the Kali Yuga, all these religions that do animal sacrifices and kill animals and and tell you it's kosher and this this is all bullshit. That's, you know, if you believe in God or you don't, whatever, but if, you know, there's no God that's going to sanction what the fuck they do in slaughterhouses. That is just total ludicrous bullshit. And I challenge anybody that says that to go in. And, you know, instead of buying all that neatly packaged meat where the death is hidden, go to the slaughterhouse and see what happens, where your food comes from, you know? Yeah, we just got back from, we just sort of took a visit at the farm sanctuary, Gene oh, Bowers' place. Gene, I love Gene, man. Amazing experience. Yeah. We actually volunteered for a few days. Like, we were entrenched yeah. in 
in working with these animals and clearing out their stalls. And we're plant-based and, and just looking into the, the eyes of man. these animals and caring for him, caring for them. There's no way. They have a soul, man. You don't, you know, that animal has a soul. Like Mercy for Animals just posted something too about this cow that they just saved and how happy it was. It was at a petting zoo. It outgrew the petting zoo. Then they were going to kill it to a slaughterhouse and uh, Catskill uh, Farm Sanctuary saved it. And that cow was like so happy and like looking at the person pet. Like these animals have souls and that's, you know, uh, you know, I got into it because of that. I came from like the most violent shit. I seen people get stabbed to death in front of me, murdered, shot, like, you know, and, and I just was like, you know, I need to like take a break from this violent world. And, and I stepped into the, into the path of this other world and it wasn't like, okay, now I don't eat meat. Uh, you know, anybody's going to walk on me because that's not going to happen because, you know, I still, you don't lose your masculinity just because, like, I don't eat meat. Okay, I'm going to turn into a fucking wimp. You know, it's not the case. And people that think the other way that this shit makes me tough, they're just fucking misled by, like I said, the industries that, propagate the stereotypes and the lies you know i just told the dude too i was like you know he posted the meme uh it said uh yeah the way to a man's heart is through his stomach unless he's a vegetarian then it's through his vagina and i'm like dude do you believe that bullshit i wrote him back and he's my friend and i was like what's so manly about taking dick meds and shitting in a colostomy bag and being on eight different kinds of medication and constantly going to doctors and you can't even walk up the fucking street because uh, that's what's coming if you continue to eat. You know, no disrespect, but I was like, yo, you believe in the stereotype myths. I'll show you fucking 12 dudes right off the bat that would kick your ass in two seconds. And he's like some big tattooed, you know, hardcore dude. But And so are you. Well, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying like, you know, I think like a lot of. The female, the, the the feminist vegans attacked my book. And just like they attacked Rory Freeman's book for saying, oh, bitch, skinny bitch, whatever. Now, if you judge something by the result, Rory Freeman's book saved the lives of millions of women and I don't know how many animals because she got them to go plant-based. And it's the same thing. My book speaks to a particular part of society, which... None of them vegans could reach before. And you're talking about your second book, Meat is for Pussies. Yeah, Meat is for Pussies. Uh, exactly. And the book has, I've gotten, uh, you know, letters and emails from like fucking all kinds of people. My friend was a bodyguard. He works with Hell's Angels and fucking Special Forces dudes. And he's like, yo, they saw how I was like my friend Ian Norrington in Australia. And he, I did the Soundwave tour, and I was training for that first Ironman. He's like, yo, what the fuck do you do, man? You're playing every night and fucking getting up early and training. And I had a copy of Meet Us and Pussies. I said, read this. By the end of the tour, he went vegan and got a vegan tattooed on his lip. And he's he was fucking, he fights Muay Thai in Thailand and everything. He's a beast. And he's just, now he's converting people. So it's a grassroots movement. It's like one person you know keeps helping the next mm -hmm. but you know that's what these people don't understand is like you you got so caught up that i use the street term 
uh, you know, in New York, motherfuckers were like, yo, everybody's so politically correct now that it's like, I just can't fucking stand it. I'm like, you know, and so I said, oh, yeah, don't be a fucking pussy because, and the reason that that book got titled that way, the funny story was I was writing a book called The Go Green Road to Health, Fitness, and Longevity. And my partner, Todd Irwin, <laughs> That wasn't like, going to work. He's like, yo, who the fuck are you, Dr. Oz? The fucking John Bloodclot from the Chromex. Nobody wants to read that book. So then I'm in the gym, like, and my friend's working out, and I'm he's training for a fight. And I'm like, yo, like, you got to get on the fucking plant-based shit. You're going to have, you're going to recover quicker, everything. And I'm schooling him. And then some dude in, like, tiger stripe pants and, you know, the fucking gallon of, like, whey protein in the gym. Like, he's uh, like, yeah, all, all the fucking, he thought I was dissing being vegan or whatever. And he's like, yeah, they all look like fucking pussies. And I'm like, I said, and I was telling Todd the story. I go, this motherfucker, man, he ain't seen his dick in fucking 10 years. And he's talking shit like that. I told him, let's get in the ring, motherfucker. And he was like, what? And then Todd, and I was like, yeah, fuck him. Fucking, he's calling vegans pussies. I said, meat is for fucking pussies. They're the he's like, that's it, dude. <laughs> so I can't take credit for the title. And then, you know, Harper Collins wanted to roll with it. But it's a New York street term, man, from back in the day. I'm from the fucking streets. I don't care where you come from, that you've been vegan for six years and you're on. And then all the dudes trying to get laid by the feminists are like, oh, yes, I'm a fucking feminist, too. And I'm really appalled. I was like, call your senator because I don't give a fuck. I don't know you. I said, you know, I've been doing this shit 36 years almost. I don't give a fuck what you got to say. The dogs may bark, but the caravan must go on. I said, I'm helping a lot of people. And this one chick had a pretty big blog, and then she was talking mad smack on me. So I said, I wrote on Facebook, I said, listen, all the women whose boyfriends, and that's a majority of the books were bought by women to give to their dudes Mm -hmm. because they wouldn't listen to nobody else. Then they were like, yo, this motherfucker speaks my language. I said, all you ladies that got your man got helped by this book or you were helped by this book, write this chick. She got a thousand fucking messages like, fuck you, shut up. You don't, from girls. You should just shut your mouth. You're such a negative person. So then she wrote, this guy's crazy. He had all his fucking Chromag fans shut my page down. And I wrote her back, bitch, don't start none. There won't be none. You don't know who you're fucking with. Anyway, it's all in fun. Right. But really, the book has helped a ton of people. I'm working on another book now um, with actually my lady. is a, She has a plant-based nutrition thing. She's a trainer. So we've been cooking recipes and all kinds of stuff. So we're going to work on a little cookbook together. And um, I'm working on other nice. stuff too. But I just keep, keep you know, moving I write for TV and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff too. So I just keep keep the fire burning, man. Keep out of trouble. <laughs> the thing that you do is you kind of incorporate it all. So you fill your body with like this just clean, high vibration. But then you also add in the meditation, yeah. which purifies not only the body, but the mind and all of that. And then you take that out onto the race course. Yeah. I mean, and that is oh, like such an edge. I in the edge. morning before my race. I went to Taiwan. I posted a video and I had like Kirtan going in the room. Like, you know, totally channeling, you know, the higher power 100%, you know. 
And there's uh, not there's nothing. I got my beads. I I bring my beads. I do uh, Hare Krishna uh, Japa mantra on my beads. I'm walking around. You know, even even the night before I walk to the ocean, I try if I can see the court, whatever. You know, it's all positive mindset, man. Is is everything? PMA, PMA, like that's what the Bear mm-hmm. Rings taught me: positive mental attitude. And uh, so you had this like extreme polarity in your life, like you had so much violence, and then literally these guys came in. It seems like they were like angels. They just kind of like swept yeah, you up. It was a bunch of people. I mean, it was the Bad Brains were the initial. You know, because it said, like, I always call Bhagavad Gita because it's like, that's like, you know, and it says, whatever great men do, common men follow. So it's like, when I saw them, I was like, holy shit, I want to know what the fuck they're into. And thank God they weren't into heroin and bullshit. They were into higher philosophy. And we sat around reasoning. <clears throat> Their sound man, J.W. Lee, was a raw foodist. He was into giving me books by Gorgiev, Ram Das, all these philosophy books. and. And then, you know, he ended up getting me the job uh, at the health food store because the guy from the Dots, Vinny Signorelli, who's now in the Unsane, the drummer, worked there. So it was like progressive steps towards me finding my path. But, uh, you know, in retrospect, if I look back, I'm like, each one of those was an integral part of, like, the whole path. Like, if I would have not done this at this point, things would have been different. <laughs> Like I told people that the other day, I was such a fucking mess in the Navy. I was smuggling drugs, beating people down, selling drugs, fucking just crazy. I was a punk rock, the only punk rock dude in all of Norfolk. And I beat these rednecks down that came to the punk rock club. And they didn't let, the punk rockers in Norfolk didn't let any sailors or military people hang out. But I, these like rednecks came in the bar and... They they were fucking shit up, and I just started hitting them with chairs. And by myself, I fucking fought them all off. So I, I kind of got into the scene, um, and I was really a violent person. Like, some of the shit I did was, and some of it I don't even remember. People, like, I was AWOL for 15 years. Like, I split. When, when uh, I met the Bad Brains, and I just knew I needed a different path in life. So I just fucking... I got out of lockup and I got arrested again and caught another case. So my mother was dating a Navy recruiter or knew him and had dated him or whatever and was like, you know, I can, you know, get your record cleared and it's still, you know, under 21 back then. So they were like, yeah, you know, I could get you this waiver going to the Navy. So I went to the Navy the day I signed they was either go back to jail or go to the navy and i was like the state didn't raise no fool i'll mm-hmm. take the navy but the day i went to boot camp we shipped out of fort hamilton in brooklyn me and my brother went and bought six bags of angel dust and smoked it i went to i went to boot camp dusted on on uh, angel dust and woke up like where the fuck am i in great lakes and then you know just tried to do the right thing at the beginning and shit just kept happening. It wasn't my path. And, uh, but I caught a case in Norfolk selling drugs and beat that kid up on my ship. And, uh, so they were going to like court martial me or whatever. And I just split. And, uh, that's why I got that time bomb. Cause they said that I was, a, my, 
my psychological evaluation said I was a time bomb waiting to go off. That's what they said. And uh, I knew that I was going to probably, it scared me more than anything that I was going to kill somebody because I seriously had, I would just beat people. And I never started any of the problems. It was always like I didn't like bullies because I was bullied in the foster home by the older people that were there did shit to me. And I was like, at some point in my life, I'm like, no one's ever putting their fucking hands on me again. When I went onto the streets, I had that mentality. I was locked up in the worst places in New York City and New York State. Nobody fucked with me because I fought through the whole shit. And then in the Navy, I just was praying, like, I need another path. What the fuck? Why am I, like, having to deal with this? Like, you know, from my early on, like, just, like, being in abusive foster homes and just the instant, watching my mother get beat beyond recognition from my father. It's just been a long road. But once that path, that door opened, then I, I was like, I need to change. And that's why... When those gifts of knowledge was presented to me, I was like, "Well, the way I've been living, it ain't working, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be dead." And I knew it. And I don't say that to brag or be whatever. You see, I was either gonna kill somebody or I was gonna get killed, because that's the kind of. And even in the eighties, I slipped back to addiction because I didn't deal with all the shit. I had fucking KOSs, kill on sites from, I fucking. Robbed a Colombian coke dealer and fucking, he was trying to pull a gun on me while I'm driving the car and trying to shoot me and I kicked him out of the, out of threw him out of the car at like forty miles and I, I mean I had motherfucking I was a buck wild dude when I was a crackhead. Dude, you were asking for it. Yeah, like I was were... like, it's like I kind of had a death wish, mm-hmm. you know. Totally. Subconsciously, was like yo, t- like get me out of this. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Um, there's so much violence in your in your early life, and clearly, like you had a lot of anger going on. Did you find a shift when you stopped eating yeah, all that 100%. violence? That's what yeah. I said, and I said the shift took place after like weeks of not eating meat. This like calm. It was easy for you to just stop. It just eating I it, like- sensed it right away. It was like holy shit, man! I'm just. Well, you know, HR, first time in, in, in like the end of 80, 81, took me to Angelica Kitchen when it was on St. Mark's. And he gave me like rice, seaweed. And I was like, this shit's fucking disgusting. I went and got a hamburger after. But then he started taking me to like vegetarian paradise with the mock meats. And, and, uh, and then there was another restaurant called The Cauldron on 6th Street. I had tofu veggie pies and it was really good. And I was like, all right, I can get down with this, that other shit though. It took me a while to get into more of the macro biotic, real clean eating, which is what I thrive on now. And there was no, there was one raw food restaurant in all of the city, but I started doing karma yoga work at Integral Yoga Institute. So they would feed me and I would do the dishes and I could get free yoga classes and, and then I, uh, they would give me food, you know? And, uh, you know, yeah, but right away I was like, holy shit, like this, like, this, like anger just lifted this. It was always this pressure of like, I can't describe it, but just from rage that was, 
inside me that I was like, yo, that kind of lifted. And I, when I started chanting and meditating and, and stopping of the eating meat, this calm, I could go to a calm place. And it's tell you, I've had anger issues over the years. I'm not saying I'm still working that shit out. And being around people that, like my girl is like a perfect, you know, she's like, it's like, I have a real fiery uh, pit or whatever. Oh, like yeah. My, my pit of dominance. Yeah, I'm like fucking, like my <laughs> first shit is, you know, what? <laughs> Fuck that mother. Like, you know, and then I'm like, Hari Hari Krishna. You know, namaste. Yeah, but you see, namaste, motherfucker. But you realize you that. You got a choice. Yeah. But got at least choice. I recognize it and I can see the yeah. two different paths. But a lot of just the craziness kind of lifted when I swear I just felt this shift in my consciousness when I stopped eating meat because people don't realize do you have the gross material body you know earth water fire air ether then you have mind intelligence force ego so an animal has you know consciousness the same way and then you're ingesting all the pain and suffering that that animal has lived its entire life. It's affecting you on a metaphysical level. I'm not like some wishy-washy fucking dude that's, I can only, like I said, relate my experience of what I experienced mm -hmm. uh, and, and getting off the alcohol and the drugs and everything else. And then adapting to the plant-based lifestyle, chanting mantras. Even when I ate the food, I was praying over it. So it was, I was taught, you know, to really respect the food that gives you life and, uh, and not takes life. Yeah. And, and also, you know, you're taking the life of that plant and that vegetable and on a, on another way mm -hmm. too. So it's like, I chant mantras even over the food to respect all life, you know, cause the bit, the, you know, that's one of the arguments that me, well, you're killing too. Yeah. But I'm killing, you know, the life that I'm taking is not squirting blood all over the place and screaming in horror and you know yeah i'm taking a life but in the material world one living entity is food for another you can see that even through nature the animals everything that's what the material world is all about but you should eat that which has caused the least amount of pain and you know not foods in the mode of ignorance like decaying, rotting flesh and pus mm -hmm. foods and all of this crap that people eat. Then they wonder why they're getting sick. We're supposed to eat food in the mode of goodness that promote life and longevity. That's what the plant-based. So if you read Vedic literature and, and um, you know, the uh, the system of medicine, Ayurveda and everything, it don't, nowhere in that in books is it talk about eating animals. It's It's, you know and rice and, and healthy spices, organic food. So That's what the animals are eating anyway. We're eating yeah, the same thing as the animals. Tom Z. So. Thompson, I eat what elephants eat. What the fuck? Get right. it through your head. The strongest animals on the planet don't eat meat, no. dude. Where's the gorilla getting its fucking strength right. from? So what are you talking about? So we're all eating, we should all be eating the same thing. And yeah. you, had, we had talked about like this idea for guys that you have to eat these animals to be masculine. And I don't, you touched upon it. I don't find anything masculine about letting somebody else do the dirty work and buying yeah. a, you know, piece of meat in, in wrapped in cellophane. 
But the other thing that you touched upon that I don't think a lot of people make the connection is like this huge problem that a lot of men have with erectile dysfunction. And that is like the oh, number yeah. one first sign. I know sign. dudes that are like 30 years old that are having a fucking that's take, like, take fucking all of them boner pills now. And that's like, like a heart disease, like waving a flag. Like mm-hmm. you've got yeah. it. Like it, like it, you know, it was like. <laughs> That's in uh, Forks Over Knives, you know, the guy said that, you know, yeah, that's a clear cut sign. Like, you know, that's the main vein that's connected to something over there. So. And that's like a, that vein's like a cocktail straw. So yeah. if it's not getting through there, you know, like. Yeah, something, that's a sign. Something is not. Yeah. I mean, not that we should be walking around, you know, living a, a life just for fucking sex, because I think a lot of the vegans push that shit too. And I'm like, I'm not you know, into, like, propagating, like, motherfuckers taking off their clothes and shit just to get somebody whatever to stop eating. You know, but it's part of the whole problem. It's a lot of medical issues that you're going to be dealing with, and that's just, you know, that's just one of them. And it's like, if you got to get through to these knuckleheads one way or the other, then, you know, fuck the big Yeah, that's a big one. And, you know, living a compassionate life. It's a big one, no pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Or not not so big. (laughs) But the... uh, you know, this this idea of living a compassionate life does not take your masculinity yeah. away. Like it you- actually, you know, when you stand up for something and you're not a, like I was doing this shit, I had motherfuckers like, Yo man, you don't eat meat, what are you a fucking fag? Like in nineteen eighty one and shit. I'd be like, Yeah, I'm a fag. Boom. Knock your fucking teeth out. <laughs> Am I a fag now? You know. Don't get offended, gay people. That's just another New York term. But, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like you know, and standing up for a cause when everybody, when you're like the only motherfucker that's doing it, and that's real to me. That's manhood. I always stayed on the side of right. Once I knew what was right, I didn't give a shit who thought I was fucked up or wrong for it. You got to stand on your own and stand up what's for what's right, you know? And that's why I always fucking hated bullies and fucking beat them down because of what happened to my mom and me and my brothers. And and the same thing, you know, with the whole animal rights thing, you know, they have rights to live just mm-hmm. like you do. You don't have no fucking right. I mean, I stand up for a lot of shit too, which, you know, I don't, I don't really get into too much, but, uh, you know, all, all life has a right to, to live, man. And, and who the fuck are you just... Because you want to taste a burger, you're going to fucking support this living entity's total incarceration. And Cro-Mags wrote a song called Death Camps, which compared what we're doing to the fucking Holocaust. It's a Holocaust for the animals, what we're doing on this planet. And, you know, this has become a hellish planet for the animals, this, this planet, what we do, you know, it's... But it's reflected in the state of the world. Look at the war. Look at the anger. Look at the, like, well, we just Well, that's keep- what Prabhupada said, was that you want to have no war, but you maintain slaughterhouses. The karma of, the collective karma of the planet is when you kill billions of animals every year in the slaughterhouse, there must be war. Because violence is breeding violence. The fucking UN, he called it the United Nation of Dogs. It's just, it's a farce. If you don't close down the slaughterhouses and you're not, you know, that's why I say this is a grassroots movement. You're not going to do it politically. You know, it's going to be based on the desire of society 
you know, hopefully their consciousness evolving mm-hmm. where it's like, I don't want to eat that shit. And then little by little, it. it's falling yep. away, you know? And, and, you know, that's the other thing. Like I, when these people make all the fake meat and the burgers and, you know, the, uh, the, uh, what's that burger called? Yeah, meat. The beast burger? Beast burger. No, I eat that, but there's the Impossible Foods burger, the one that has the beet juice in it. Oh my god. Oh yes, it yes. I'm like, whatever it takes for these (laughs) fucking dudes to stop eating the shit. I mean, I know what worked for me, and it wasn't until I was able to eat the fake meat stuff. It's a transition Mm -hmm. food. Totally. So I'm like, whatever it takes for people to to shift the consciousness away from consuming the souls of these fucking animals because you are consuming the soul of that animal and all the trauma and, and, all, and all the trauma yeah. just like we have adrenaline that animal knows it's being killed it's releasing well it's standing in in a line and watching the one in front of it yeah what was that movie where like the cow tried to turn around they just it just came out and like the the cow in front of him went into the to the shoot oh, yeah, and he didn't... and it fucking oh. shut Is that down. That, um, Ghost in the machine. Yeah, yeah. And then he heard like like the animal being killed, and and then the fucking cow tried to turn around and get away. It's it knows what the fuck's going on. Oh, yeah. Animals have consciousness and a soul. Just the way that we would feel it, they're feeling it too. They just don't have voices. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, yeah, you have dominion over all things. You have dominion over your little brother. Does that mean you fucking kill him because he's less intelligent? You know, do you kill just because, yeah, you have dominion. So I'm going to fucking kill everything in sight. Look what's going on, you know, with the oceans, with, with everything. We're destroying. We are fucking destroying this planet. And all of that shit relates to what the one thing, and that's what they said, even in the game changers. And I just watched uh, uh, Racing Extinction. And what did he say? The greatest change that could be made is by what we're putting on our plate right now. They're killing all the sharks for shark fin soup. Now they went to the stingrays because they say in China, some fucking idiot you know, says, oh, yeah, it's going to fight cancer, the the gills of stingrays. So they're fucking wiping out the stingray population. It's like, you know, we're completely destroying the planet for generations to come. It's going to take years to for the planet to get back. And we're wiping out species. Like, it's a really amazing movie, Racing Extinction. I had, I had never seen it. I saw the cold. And I watched it on. It's the pretty plane. impactful. The cove. Yeah, goodness. but the the racing extinction yeah. is deep, man. It, I was like, wow, man. I suggest everybody to watch that movie because they said all life. This one guy recorded all life all around the planet of birds and frogs and all of this shit, and he recorded this one bird that was becoming extinct, and he would hear the mates cr- calling for the mates. Then he stopped hearing the mates and he just heard the male bird. And then the male bird went extinct and he found the bird dead. And that was the last of that species of that bird. And to see that actually unfold, like we just fucking wiped that shit out, spraying pesticides and fucking GMOs and all of this shit that we're doing. And the, the you know, the dark act passing. Now you need to yeah, scan a, a barcode. Fucking Obama is such a fucking fraud, man. He passed all of that shit. He was calling all these politicians are fucking bullshit artists, lying motherfuckers. 
Obama, Clinton, all of them. Get your head out of your ass. They're all in it for the fucking money. They got in there because they're supporting corporations like Monsanto. Her campaign manager is a Monsanto lob, uh, lawyer. So it's like, you know, these people are all fucking corrupt. And even the bees, well, what we're doing, it's because of the glyphosate and the other pesticides that are being sprayed. See, I don't just eat, like, I got friends in Hawaii and they're spraying or shit all over the place and chemtrails over there to take control. And Hawaii is the biggest testing ground, Yeah, right, because for they're growing all the GMO seeds over mm-hmm. there, but it's also an enclosed ecosystem, right? So they're going over there spraying shit in the plains that drops on the soil to change the pH level of the soil. So it becomes so acidic that only genetically modified seeds that are produced to resist aluminum and the other poisons that they spray can be used. So that's how they they, they want to control all the food. That's why you're not going to be able to get off the grid. If these motherfuckers keep doing what they're doing, you're... Well, a lot of the farmers over there have had to switch to GMO seeds now because their shit by default grow. because they can't yeah yeah they can't grow. I have friends that are on the ground there. This ain't no bullshit. I have friends that are over there that are farmers that are telling me this shit, and it's like there is. You could say it's a conspiracy all you fuck you want, but once there's proof uh, that this shit is going on, then you know it's that the truth is is anything but a conspiracy theory it's actually they're fucking doing this shit and they want all control of the food that's why they tell farmers you can't save seed terminated technology in the seed like meaningful for pussies you think oh yeah it's this asshole vegan talking shit but then when you break that fucking book open and you see all the shit that i get into you know, it's like I said, Agatha Sucriti, don't let the book title fool you because what I'm talking about in that whole book is is the corruption that exists with the FDA, with the pharmaceutical companies, with the, G- the GMO companies, Monsanto, Syngenta, Dow, all of the shit that's going on. Now, Roundup doesn't even work anymore. Now they just had to come out with some new shit that's even 10 times more toxic than Roundup. So we're expelling fucking millions of tons of pesticides all over the fucking, all over the planet. And, and like, why is the chemical company growing our food? That's what I said. Why the fuck you got a chemical company growing your food? And, and if you saw the documentary, um, the idiot cycle by this French woman, follow the money who owns the patents on, uh, you know, recumbent bovine growth hormone. RBGH. It's fucking, it's the same company that makes the cancer meds, owns the patent on that. They sold, Monsanto sold the patent on that to fucking Eli Lilly, who produces the cancer drugs for the symptom, for the cancers that that shit causes. So, you so know. It's a benefit that we stay sick. They want everybody mm-hmm. sick. You know, I just, I was watching the Olympics and, and, uh, and, and, um, uh, Fucking one of them drug companies came on and were like, oh, yes, we're racing to find cures. But until then, I'm like, you ain't finding no fucking cures. If there's a cure, you're out of fucking business. What are you talking? What kind of bullshit are you talking to people? Just trying to get people to buy into the fact that their answers, their cure, their solution is outside of them. And you know better than anyone, it's inside of you. It's what you put in your body. It's how you're spending your time. It's sitting in meditation. It's cleaning up your act. Well, that's the the three causes of disease. One of them is over-anxiety. 
uncleanliness with your food, over anxiety, and uh, I forgot what the other one. I'm I'm, I'm getting old, but uh, anyway, yeah. So like the, you know, the stress is a big part of it too, and and they they just want you. Like I got a new album coming out with this band Blood Clot I'm doing, which is a Jamaican term. It's like blood clot means like everything's fucked up. And uh, you know, that's what I talk about. They they just want you like a cog in the machine. They don't want you fucking thinking outside the box, you know. Turn on the fucking TV right now, I guarantee you every fucking commercial, when all of America is home, every other commercial, and you could go through all the stations is gonna be fucking drug companies advertising. This country is the only country that, besides New Zealand, that allows direct marketing of pharmaceutical drugs to people from, from the fucking TV. And me and my girl were just watching something last night, and it's like, yeah, depression med, but it causes you, it, it may cause suicide. You know how many people I know that was on that shit that committed suicide? So how the fuck are you selling, how are you getting away with selling a depression medication that causes people to kill themselves? Like, people don't see through that. Like I said, if you just chant, meditate, whatever your meditation is, when you quiet your mind, whatever you, whatever it is you want to do, yoga, meditation, eating healthy and exercising, I guarantee that's the three-prong effect to health mm-hmm. right there. That's the spear. That's the trident of fucking health. Don't get all stressed out by life. You know, this stress is going to come, but you, you have to learn how to manage it. Eat healthy and exercise. And you're not going to need all of these meds. You know, you're not going to need this bullshit. The father of, uh, you know, modern medicine, whatever, the, the Hippocratic oath that they take is to do no harm in all of this shit. And that, what are they doing? They're Just writing the harm. prescription pad, ba 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 ba, because they're getting hit off. Another great book, Confessions of an RX Drug Pusher who she was a huge uh, pharmaceutical rep till her niece died of an interaction and then she fucking exposed what the practices are of uh, of these pharmaceutical companies. And, uh, you know, I don't take any drugs. I don't, you know, and if I don't have to take drugs and the shit I've fucking been through, that's, a, that's, that's a saying sign. something. Mm-hmm. You know, how I deal with my stress, I go fucking punch the heavy bag, kick the heavy bag, fucking get on my bike, run, train, eat good, meditate, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't need to go take drugs and alcohol and prescription meds and all of this other stuff. What do you say to that person who, like, let's say a guy's listening to this and they're eating meat and they're, you know, they're in that cycle of like, they're working a job and they're coming home and they're like, I don't have time. I don't have time to, to, you know, to eat well, I don't have time to, you know, do an Iron Man. I don't have time to do all this stuff. Like, with just the excuses that come out. Like, what well, do you, you know? What, you- what I tell them? This is what I say. <laughs> I say you don't have time, but you better make time to go visit your doctors and your hospitals and spend time in the hospitals because that's where you're fucking heading. And then your money that you're making from everything else is going to go to take care of your health. So that's the idiot cycle completely. You don't have time, but yet you're going to make time off from work. You're going to have to go sit in hospitals. You're going to get tests. They're going to stick shit all up your ass for your colon. Mm-hmm. That swollen colon is telling you something. <laughs> something ain't right in there. So when you got dudes sticking fingers and fucking scopes up your ass, tell me how manly you are. 
And I say you can inv- this you can take the two paths: invest in your health or invest your time your time in your health and your well-being, or you're going to be investing your time sitting in hospitals and going to doctors because that's what's waiting for you. This food is not like the food that our ancestors were eating 150 years ago. This is the fucking age of like they are just fucking with everything in the most ungodly ways you can imagine what they're doing to this food nowadays. And if you're going to eat that, this food is designed to get you sick and dull you down, fluoride and everything. Who the fuck used fluoride first? The fucking Nazis used it in the, in the, in the fucking uh, concentration camps. They used it in Russia in the gulags. It's a sedative. They're putting all of this shit gassing you up. You need fluoride in your water and your toothpaste and all of these chemicals. And I need all of this. It's like get back to nature, you know. You don't need pesticides mm-hmm. on your food. In your food. In the fucking sea, mm-hmm. they're putting pesticides now. So you can laugh all you want, but I'm telling you right now, I'm dealing with people that have cancer and the shit they're going through. And I'm telling you, you better fucking go visit a cancer ward where people are getting their fucking colons ripped out and all this other shit and all of this disease and and prostate cancer and all this other shit. That's coming directly from what the fuck you're eating and how you're living your life. Dudes that pop that shit, I shut them down real quick. Because, like, I've been doing this shit for 35 years. I know all the rebuttals to hit these people with. And then they're like, oh, you know, that kind of makes sense. And then I'm like, hey, motherfucker, read this book. Educate yourself. Edumacate yourself. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Don't to- stay stuck on stupid. <laughs> you know, once you learn. I t- I, yesterday, I did the walking tour. And the guy from um, Disco Biscuits, which is like a big band, they sold two nights out Irving Plaza and they just sold out the Coney Island Amphitheater. So his his uh, road manager got me to some pussies and gave him the book. And the guy came out on my walking tour yesterday. He's like, yo, I want to thank you for turning me vegan, man. He's like, yo, once I started reading what was in Meetus for Pussies, I was like, yo, I just went on this search of the websites and all this shit you told me and the fucking, the floodgates of knowledge just came out. I was like, the fucking hair on my neck was standing up, what these motherfuckers are doing. And I'm like, yeah, once you get the knowledge, you can't stay stuck on stupid because that's going to irritate the fuck out of you. When I know something and I don't take action on it, you know, I read uh, this book, you know, it talks about resistance and, uh, all of that kind of stuff. Like, you know, when you resist something, it's a, it's usually a deep need for that particular mm-hmm. thing. And it's just going to irritate the fuck out of you. Uh, until you address it. Until, until you, you address right. it. And, and I, I, you know, so like, yeah, when you get the knowledge and this dude, and I've gotten thousands and thousands of stories of, you know, from people writing me and saying, yo, this book changed my life. And I was, and I told him straight up, dude, I didn't come up with it. I even told the dude yesterday, I was like, I didn't come up with it. I just did the research and put it in a uh, uh, vernacular that appeals to, to fucking dudes, mm-hmm. like, you know, and they got it. And, you know, you're the one that made the change. I didn't hold your hand and fucking... Right, but that spark was there. Or that that yeah. the And it's the same thing that happened yeah. with me. Somebody planted the seed and then... It's up to you to water it, you know, to for that 
plant, that creeper to grow. Same thing in spiritual life. You get the seed of devotion or whatever. It's up to you to do your daily meditations and your practice of yoga or whatever to, to, to grow that creeper, you know. If you don't, you know, you're either going to be materialistic or there's only two ways you can go in this world, you know. You're either going to be a materialistic dummy, uh, you know, that's going to just think everything is about the here and the now, and and then you're going to fucking die miserable. Where the yogi takes a different path, he realizes that it's not just about this life, it's about all lives, the next mm -hmm. life. Living this life so that, you know, you have a beautiful life in this life, but thinking consciously, where am I going after this? That's the sign of intelligence is what is, Prabhupada said that, what is, where am I going after this body's done? This body's going to be done. Where the fuck am I going? And according to how you live your life and the consciousness you achieve in this lifetime will determine the next Actually, it's said in the Vedas that your subtle body is already changing in this lifetime to take you to your next body. So if the soul is never birth, nor death, nor once having been, does he ever cease to exist? What happens at the time of death? And there's so many stories of people with near-death experiences that are like, yo, I was, you know, there's definitely an afterlife. So I choose to live a righteous path as much as I can. And you know, think about um, what effect I'm having on other living entities as well, including my food choices. You know, that's why I wouldn't, I didn't do this shit for vanity. I will never go back to fucking eating meat. All the people that did it, oh, vegan for fucking sexiness and all mm -hmm. of this bullshit. And I know some pretty big fucking vegans that have books out and everything that went back to eating meat because they didn't do it. For the spiritual reasons. They did it for fucking vanity and to feel superior. I have knowledge over somebody else to lord it over. That's the that's our nature in the material world. We want to lord over everything. I'm the fucking right. I'm the I'm the all in all. Instead of being humble and taking the humble position and, and being like giving it all away. Yeah. Like just sharing it. I all. have one friend, he has a very famous very uh, vegan restaurant. I'm not gonna mention his name. Because he wouldn't want me to. And he never talks about what he does. But he has donated a majority of his money to causes that save animals. And he doesn't ever fucking talk about it or want brownie points or anything. But that's... He... I know he's made millions of dollars and I know what he's given away. And he doesn't fucking brag about it or anything. But, you know, it's like... That's that's the the, the you know, the whole point is like... You know, we're leaving a trail of cause and effect in this world. That's what we do in this life. So you should make good causes to bring about good change on the planet. And that can be done collectively, just like we can go fucking kill billions of animals and collectively cause war and destruction of the planet. At the same time, we can change what the fuck we're eating and, you know, bring about uh, a more peaceful Baikunta means free of anxiety. And Vaikuntha is actually, it's a Sanskrit word, but you that can be achieved on this planet when everybody's, this Kali Yuga only started 5,000 years ago, but before that was the Satya Yuga, Trecha Yuga, Dwarpa Yuga. In Satya Yuga, millions, hundreds and millions of years ago, which... 
they don't even recognize uh, the the this the history of India and the rest of the world. The this judo Christian bullshit that they talk nothing existed, uh, whatever, and that's why they don't uh, relate to the Aquarian Bible that Jesus traveled all over the world in India and everywhere studying all paths. They just became this dogmatic religion. Yeah, and Jesus is a major yogi. Yogi and raw foodist, Jesus Christ, totally. the scene tribe. Like, where the fuck is this? Oh, he made fish and he fucking blood a lamb and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so, you know, that's, uh, you know, my whole point with, with everything is like, it's up to us to, this is a real grassroots movement. Mm -hmm. And like, if you, like, I've affected you know, thousands of people and they in turn have gone and, and, and helped other people. So that's how the knowledge is going to get out there. It's not going to come through that fucking TV set. That shit's yeah. all controlled. I almost had several TV shows like, uh, you know, like uh, reality, what they refer to as reality. But when I got real about reality, <laughs> they fucking put the kibosh on it quick. Mm. You know, so it's up to us, you know, podcasts and interviews and just fucking getting the word out there totally. to these people. Like, you don't have to suffer. You don't have to be in anxiety. You don't have to be taking depression meds. You don't have to be fucking getting fucked up all the time. You know, I mean, because I've been down that road and I'm not saying it as somebody who didn't walk in them shoes because I did. And it wasn't until I made the changes in my life. That I can kind of say, all right, I have my sadhana, my, my, my spiritual practice down, my training practice down. I go through life and now I can see when that anger is fucking raising its head. And Kroda in Sanskrit means anger and that pollutes the, the mind's eye and everything. So you have to really check that. And it starts with getting that violence off the end of your fork. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And you've got some good recipes in your, in meat is for pussies. And it's it, the thing I think people, they just don't know where to start. Like they mm. get all confused. It's really, really simple to just like eat the spectrum and look at the colors on your plate mm. and see how you feel. Always check in with how you feel. That's what we always say yeah. to people. Like, they're like, like you said, the, the food that they try, they're jumping in and they're trying like the worst things like seaweed and do the transition, mm. see how you feel. And start adding in more. Look, more it's just basic juice. shit. Everybody likes oatmeal. I like oatmeal. Everybody likes peanut butter. Everybody likes fruit. Right? I don't know too many people that don't like those. You know? And then, like, you have, you know, your lunches, your, yeah, your so take split us, pea soups. Take us through, like, a t people would just, they want to know, like, they want to know, like, what are you eating? It's All like, right. This day. morning I had, uh, what did I, I had a chia seed pudding yeah. with coconut like a blended coconut meat. I go to Juice Press every fucking day. It's a raw food place in the city. And then they had this raw bagel with kale and almond cheese on it. And then a piece of fruit. I do wheatgrass juice in the morning, my E3 live. You know, so, and I drink a lot of water in the morning. So I don't wake up and start, you know, if I'm getting on a bike and going to ride 80 miles, yeah, I got to eat a breakfast. But usually it's a gradual uh, process. And that's what usually I have for breakfast. I, oh, you know, I'll even I'll even do a smoothie with like you know almonds and kale and coconut and whatever, and and blend that up. Trying to do less and less of 
unless it's just pure hemp protein, which is what I'm using now. I try to do less and less of the whole protein powders and all that stuff. I just find it's, it's my body's getting to be a certain point where it's like I don't need all of that stuff. And and then like lunch, you know, I have um what did I have today? I went to um I went to uh Jiva Mukti Cafe, the yoga center. It's all organic and I had a yogi's choice, which was a big pile of fucking kale with this turmeric tahini dressing and, and a nutritional yeast, mm. black beans and quinoa. And then I had uh a split pea dal soup. And, uh, you know, dinner, I go to Angelica's, I get like, uh, you know, and I do juice, I'll drink a juice through the day or whatever. I'll go get uh, a nice green juice, you know. I try to do smaller meals throughout the day, so like, you keep your metabolism fired up, like you always have to have fuel in the tank, you know, that's the way I look at it. And then I did go get one of them, I went to pick up my boy who's getting me the bike, Sean Fowler. Nice. <laughs> I got him from Superiority Burger, which was voted in Q GQ Magazine six months ago, did an article, and it said, the best burger in the world is vegan. And it was about my boy Brooks, who's a musician, started Superiority Burger over That's on here? St. Mark's. Over on 9th Street, yeah. Oh, fucking incredible. They do one with cheese, too, but most of the items on his menu are vegan. So I picked up Sean, and Brooks always hooks me up. He's like, yo, he he gets everything fresh from the farmer's market, organic, and, you know, he goes over there and buys the stuff. He's hands-on everything, and he slipped an extra burger in there. So I was like, I haven't had one of these in about a month. And the rolls are made of potato flour, so it's not white flour and all that shit. It's gluten-free, whatever. I don't really have problems mm -hmm. with glue, but and I just fucking yam that thing down. And then I'm, you know, and I'm going to have a dinner. Uh, I'll go to Angelica's and uh, they have like so much stuff on the menu. Is that all vegan restaurant? Yeah, all vegan, oh, all organic. Candle 79 I go to. Mm -hmm. My friends own that. They do a lot to help uh, different you know, the healthy school lunch program and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, well, that's actually how we got hooked up with you was from uh, Amy yeah. Hamlin. Yeah, Amy, I worked with. She did a great impersonation of you, by the way. It was so funny. I know, you know, because I know uh, <laughs> Fran Costigan. And she was reading my book, The Pastry Chef. You know her? She's yeah. like famous pastry chef. And she was like, goes into, she has a doorman building and she's like, these motherfuckers. And they're like, Fran, how did you learn to talk? Because <laughs> they're like Spanish thug dudes. And like, you know, kind of, you could tell they're from like the hood. They're all fucking dry. They're like, whoa, where are you learning that? He's like, I'm reading my friend's book, Meet Us for Pussy. And they're like, what? I got to read that. You're so right. I was emailing with Victoria Moran from Main Street Vegan, and yeah. she was like, "Oh, I love John Joseph. He's one of my favorite people." And she's just so like well spoken and and yeah. you know really polished. And <laughs> maybe we can her. get her to do an imitation of you too. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I I just spoke at the, at that uh, like a couple weeks ago. She, I, I once every year she does the academy. She has me come mm -hmm. back. That's awesome. I think I have a little bit of a different upbringing of where I came 
I mean, that's what I love too. Is like people come from all different uh, backgrounds mm -hmm. to come to this, uh, you know. And it's not just about the food. Like that's you can't stay stuck on the food and just obsess over the food. The food is a stepping stone to get to the higher consciousness. That's what I always tell people. You'll become, I call them macro psychotics. If you just fucking start, it's all about the food and you become obsessed with food. You know, I don't live like that. I just, the food, you know, I, I don't, I, 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 uh, I don't live to eat. I eat to live, you know, and it gets me through my training and everything else. But really the, you know, awareness and consciousness is really more um, what the whole, you know, thing is about. You know, you have to eat in the mode of goodness. If you eat in the mode of ignorance, dead, decaying, like I said, rotting flesh, it's going to put your consciousness in the mode of ignorance. You know, just like alcohol and drugs, and that's mm -hmm. the mode of ignorance. So you're not going to be getting fucked up and going to yoga class at 6 a.m. It's not going to happen. It just, that's why I choose to stay sober. I don't judge. I have a lot of friends that go have beers and smoke weed or do whatever. It's just not for me. I have an addictive personality. Addiction runs in my family. So I toe the fucking line with that. I think it's this, the first awareness of consciousness is to first change your diet. If your diet is crap, if your diet is violent, you're going to just keep hitting a ceiling. Yeah. You're never going to be able to expand past that limit. You know, you've helped a lot of people with your book and, and just the awareness that you've brought through interviews and the, little video, and the videos that you've done and all that stuff. But one thing that Amy was sharing with us, and she's from the Coalition for Healthy School Foods, is that you go into classrooms and you talk to kids, yeah. too. So you're starting. You're I've hitting up the. That. I just spoke at a kid's prison. It was uh, 16 to 25 maximum wow. security. Yeah, and I, I've been doing that for a while. This is like and a population. the homeless, yeah. uh, plant-based meals. I've been doing that since 82. Uh, but talking to the, you know, they're slipping away, the kids, man. And it's like, and I go and I speak at high schools, not just with her. I've had teachers hit me up like, the first time I ever did it was when Evolution of a Cro-Magnon, my first book, came out. And this English teacher was blown the fuck away. And she's like, I need you to come talk to these kids. They're all in the crypts and the bloods and all this shit and getting in trouble. And I walked into school. It was wintertime. They're like, oh, man, this surfer-looking motherfucker. What's this nigga going to tell you? Like, I hear what they're saying. And then, like, I got to the auditorium and fucking took off my jacket. They're like, yo, this, this motherfucker got mad tattoos, yo. <laughs> and then when I started relaying my story and where I came from. Something snapped. And then they're like, yo, yeah. this dude been down a harder road than mm -hmm. us. And then I break out my passport and I'm like, and look where I've been all over the world. I've been a, between my race and Ironmans all over the world, my musicianship, speaking, doing all this shit, traveling the planet. I was like, you know where all the motherfuckers I ran the streets with are? You know where all the dudes I was locked up with are that didn't change? Fucking dead in jail or dying of AIDS from drugs. So that's the path you want. And I get through to them because like, I speak their language. It's it's the same thing with the with the way I try to, you know, inject what I do to the mainstream with the plant-based stuff. You know, you got to know who the fuck you're talking to. 
you know, and I know who I'm talking to because I come from the street and that's a, you know, that whole generation of kids is getting lost, man. And I'm trying to work out some stuff with, there's a couple of dudes that rap and shit and they do this whole organic vegan gardening and all this shit and show kids in the hood how to fucking change their whole nature. Cause you know, it's funny cause I was at, um, victorious thing. And I said, I read in this magazine called Satya, which means the mode of goodness. Satya means goodness. And uh, Tamagoon, Rajagoon, Satyagoon. So Tamagoon is the mode of ignorance. Rajagoon is the mode of passion. Satyagoon is the mode of goodness. So this dude put this magazine called the mode of Satya, the mode of goodness out. So I was in this vegan bakery that, the, that used to be on St. Mark's. And I'm reading this article, and it was this fucking African-American dude who, he didn't say what he was in for, but he was doing life. And he became a Buddhist vegan in prison. And he said, if I had access to this knowledge before I did the life that I was living, I wouldn't be where I am. I can't take back what I did, but I changed my life in here. And he's vegan and a Buddhist. And then the funniest thing was, the next guy that spoke, was the guy that put out the magazine at Victoria's. And I was like, I just, she introduced him when he came in. Cause I, I said, I just talked about fucking reading that article. Remember that article? And he was like, yeah. Yeah, man, there's no mistakes. No, there ain't. And it's like, so that's why I go into, I work with this guy and actually there you go again, because the person that hooked me up with the guy that's taking me to the prisons and talking to kids now, was through Amy Hanlon. So he's a cook in the prisons and he wants to start doing plant-based stuff. So he's been having me go in and talk to these kids. Like I just spoke at this one in Goshen. And the fucked up thing was, when I re-offended, that's where they were going to send me. They used to call it Goshen Annex. It's a fucking maximum security. security. Yeah, you know, that's... And I was like, this is where they were fucking saying my next stop was had I not gone into the Navy. So it was kind of like haunting in a little way, oh. like to be like, yo, I'm walking into You're the going. place yep. that I was due to go to. In a vi- walking, you were- walking in in a completely, yeah. you know, th- what, 30 fucking six years later, a different person. Oh, it was amazing. pretty fucking crazy. I was like, yo, this is where they were going to send me. This used to be called Goshen Annex, right? And he's like, yeah. Now it's called Goshen something or another. Wow. And so you're- same spot, different. And you, and at that point, I really got to see how you can take one path or the other mm-hmm. in life. And one's going to lead you in, that's in one place and one's going to lead you to another place. But that was like fucking bugged out to go. And the minute he said Goshen, I was like, I want to go. And I didn't tell him until I got up there. And I was like, this is where they were going to send me when I re-offended. He's like, wow. So it was kind of trippy. Yeah, it wasn't out. meant to be. Yeah. 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 Well, you're and, supposed and to go there. Well, you're supposed and to go there, not then. The teachers in the classes said they've never fucking gave somebody their attention. Like, they, like, a lot of these dudes had psychological problems and all kinds of shit. He's like, yo, I've never seen them fucking listen to somebody like that. I spoke to like five classes, four classes, and they, they like didn't want to go to their next class. They like wanted to hang out and be like, "Oh, oh you need to be doing more." Yeah, of this I, stuff. I would My love goodness, to. You you're... know, I really want to try wow. to get a show together 
working. I had this thing while I was trying to put together called Street Kid Rehab, and we were taking those exact same kids, putting them in a house. I had my boy who's special forces and UFC fighters and plant-based people and cooks and kind of just get through to these dudes and do an intensive workshop to flip these fucking kids. And it got into the second and third level meetings and then when they were like there can't be any meat on the show and i'm like dude what the fuck part of like i don't uh, eat meat do you not understand wow. sponsors that's so They're that's like, well guess who keeps our lights on brought to you by kentucky fried chicken wow, what a and club. i'm gonna tell motherfuckers don't eat chicken they're like nope you're not getting the fucking show and you know, and, and and it happened twice and i i'm repped by icm and i had caa walking us through the fucking door. I showed him the sizzle, who, I don't know if you know Josh Ketcher, from, mm -hmm. he's like a vegan fashion dude. He was directing, oh, yeah, he's podcast. really cool. Yeah, yeah Josh is yeah. fucking, he, they did this amazing job on the fucking sizzle. When they put the sizzle on there, like the two minute fucking little film that they put together, the people were fucking like, fucking blown away and then i was like then we had to do the whole pitch deck to them okay this is what's gonna happen everybody was on board i went into spike in la and the guy was like comes out the head of the network of programming it's like i just had to see if this was the same john joseph from the chromax and it is i saw you you were gbh in fucking 1983 so it wasn't a question of like them not liking me I sold it. From there, we were just blowing shit, blowing fucking doors down. I just went on a tear, every flying all in L.A., New York, everywhere, just ripping it. And once they found out it was plant-based, they were like, next. Wow. That's, I mean, I think that just shows the power, like shows these people motherfuckers how powerful. Have, listen, I'm telling you right now, man, they're fucking, these are evil motherfuckers that have control of the minds of the masses. Major. And they fucking yeah. program you through that fucking idiot box. Mm -hmm. It's the programming of Babylon and what the Rastas call it. The fucking Kali Yuga, man. Eat all this fucked up food. Then we got the meds for you. And blah, blah, blah. Live your People life. are just sitting Go there. Go to like work. Fucking, you know, have zombies. your stale piece of toast. Sit at your fucking desk for eight hours. Go, go home. Hold your kids. Fall asleep. Fart. Wake up the next do day. It do it all again. over again. No. Living like an animal. If you just eat, sleep, mate, defend, that's the propensities of the animal. Human being means we try to achieve higher consciousness. We're like, what are we doing here? Why are we here? What's the purpose it's of life? It's such a gift to be in a human body. It's it such is. a gift to be on this earth. There's 8,400,000 species of life. That's including plants, everything as a soul. To take birth, 400,000 of those species are human. So you could have taken birth even anywhere in the world, you know, fucking eating whale blubber fucking, you know, 10 times a week. Like to take birth where we are and have this knowledge is like, it's, you know, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. And, and spiritually, like we're in this age of Aquarius, what the Vedas say, the golden period. Uh, of awareness right now, which just started really like 500 years ago. This whole movement has started where it's never been easier to achieve higher consciousness and go to higher planes of existence and, you know, and, and get out of the material world altogether. 
and you have to take advantage of it. The knowledge is there, but like I said, it's up to us take ownership, to, to take, take ownership yeah. of our actions. Yep. You know, because that's why uh, coming back again to what Prabhupada said, it's not the philosopher. There's so much fucking hypocrisy, and the spiritual leaders and religious leaders are total fucking hypocrites that just tell people to do shit they don't do themselves. You know, so you have to live it, and then you know, examples better than precept. Like I said before, you know, what you do, people are not looking to what you say anymore because the fucking bullshit. At that has been fucking thrown at them their entire life. You know, the bullshit detector switch is on. So they're really looking to see, all right, what's this motherfucker doing? How does he live his life? And that's the greatest effect you're going to have on people. That's why anytime someone's like, yo, we need this, we got to do this. We just did a benefit for Doc from the Bad Brains and raised $25,000 for his medical cause. Or going to feed the homeless or going to speak at prisons or reaching out. Even to people that are struggling with shit, dude just wrote me, man, I'm like 50 pounds overweight. I take depression meds. I'm like, step one, here it is. You know, so you always got to be willing to help. And it's just about paying it forward. I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to be fucking St. John or whatever. It's just, yo, people helped me in my dark time. And that's how I try to live my life is to pay, pay it forward, you know, constantly be there and help people and point people in the right direction. and But they have to want it, you know? If they don't want it, just like I wanted to change and then I took advantage of what was there. But if you don't want it, then then it's just like, I'm not going to, I'm not looking to preach to people. So if the person wants change, it's up to them. And it's a, it's a choice and um, we should probably get wrapping this up, but um, yeah. it's, it starts, I mean, would you agree? Like, it starts with what's on the end of that fork. Yeah, it is. I think, you know, what's on, you know, I think that's a big part of it. And like I said, too, you know, it's about eliminating shit from your life, too. It's eliminating the bad food, eliminating the drugs, eliminating the fucking. I'm not talking about somebody that has a fucking glass of Chardonnay with their fucking meal every once in a while. I'm talking about motherfuckers that. You know, my friend just posted, yo, I own up to my dirt. I'm a fucking alcoholic. Like, I know all that shit's waiting for me. The minute that I step off of this path, that's why they say it's a razor's edge. One slip is a fucking, is a calamity. And that's how I live my life. You walk in a razor's edge. Yeah, it's what's on the end of your fork, but it's all the other shit too. It's eliminating the Maya, the illusion. And this whole society is based on Maya. Look at the fucking billboards. Like, what does Rage Against the Machine say? Look at the billboards. What does it say? What does it say? Forget about the movement. Come and play. Come and play. It's like a fucking... They're luring you. It's like the jewels on the head of a serpent. Yeah, you're all attracted to it. And you get close. Bam. You're well, it's all the, the sensory experience. And yeah, so the spiritual... It's an overload of that yeah. shit. But what's beyond the senses? The mind, the intelligence, and then the soul, ultimately. You know, how do I experience, that's why, you know, it says you can't give up the lower taste unless you achieve a higher taste. How are monks able to give up all kinds of sex life and everything, like, if there's not a higher pleasure in the spiritual realm? There is. People just don't tap into that experience. 
So they only think, oh, I gotta go out and get fucked up and fucking, you know, hunt down chicks and go eat a fucking steak and eggs at four o'clock in the morning. You know, and it's like, it's just all Maya, man. This country, this fucking world, the only way they could keep you in control is to make you fucking chase the illusion. And that's what they do. They just make you chase that fucking illusion nonstop and never look, stop for a moment and say, what the fuck is all this about, man? Like, that's why we should go see dead people. Because you need to realize, I'm going to, Chanaka Pandit was said, as was asked, a great philosopher in India. And he said, what is the, he was asked, what is the greatest thing? And Chanaka Pandit said, the greatest thing is that everyone has seen everyone before them die, and yet they think somehow or another, I will cheat death. But you're not going to. Everybody's going to fucking die. For one who was born, death is certain. Where you go between that, nothing's guaranteed in life. But where you go between that birth and that death, that's what's up to you. And where you're going in your next life, that's up to you. And then in this life, it's, you know, it's not just about living a, a long life. It's like living well. Yeah. It's living well. And so it's what you, what you, what you let into your mind, what you, what you let your mind tell you and, and, and act on and how you eat and how you move yeah. through the world and how you give back. Treat and all others. Those. That's the other thing. It ain't just about being nice to animals and then being a prick or a bitch to humans. It's like, yo, where's the compassion? Where's the for love every for everybody? Yeah. You know, and I think more and more of the people that's come to the movement now get that. You know, but like I've seen so much catty bullshit. I, I don't even fucking. That's why I wrote a chapter in my book, Vegan: The Five Letter Curse Word, because like I don't identify with that shit. I'm like, yo, that's part of what I do, but it's not my. Mm-hmm. It's not. My whole repertoire is not just like, hey, he's fucking vegan food. (laughs) Like, fucking, that's just a piece to the puzzle. It's about being a good human and doing, you know, altruistic endeavors to help people and and make the world a better place, man, and help kids and the youth and fucking help elderly people. That's why I go out there and and feed feed the homeless and, and people that need it because it's like, you know, you're feeding these people healthy, organic meals and, and then letting them take some home in their containers and then they have food where they ordinarily wouldn't get be eating anything. And some of those dudes are like, yo, no disrespect to like, you know, the motherfuckers that come out here and feed us bologna sandwiches and fucking ring dings. But like, <laughs> this shit is good. And I feel good when I eat this for days, man. That's so awesome. And it's like, yeah, you could... Feed them a bologna sandwich and jail food, basically, uh, you know, or you can feed them something that's totally nutritious that maybe if that's the only meal they're going to have for that day, that shit's going to have Mm -hmm. some vitamins to it. And that's why I I got involved. And that was the main thing. I was starved in this foster home, like fucking beating all kinds of crazy shit. But the food shit to me was like, if I could just get something to eat. Like, I was totally consumed with hunger as a child. And we weren't allowed in the refrigerator. We couldn't. We, they, we had to eat dog food, Oreo spit sandwiches. The, the chick 
the foster woman was fucking so fucked up. She didn't like the cream and the Oreo. She would scrape it off in her fucking yellow teeth and hairy fucking mole and spit it in a bowl and put it on green molded bread. And that's what we got fed. Tea and fucking bread. That's what we had for six years. We weren't allowed to go in the refrigerator. We didn't get food. So we had to scam to fucking eat and go in supermarkets and eat up and down the aisles and fucking, you know, the, the dude from the bakery knew we were starving. We had ripped up clothes. They would make us walk two miles to go to the fucking bakery on Sunday mornings. And the guy was like, oh, I just made all these fresh jelly donuts. I mean, and I have extras. You want them? Like, it was, you know, that's why people get affected when they read my first book. Because it's like, look at all this shit, this fucking family and my brothers went through it too you know so you've got the evolution of a crow mag which, yeah, that's, which, which really is getting re-released right nice. now they're selling copies for that shit for like a thousand dollars five hundred dollars don't buy that don't buy that i'm releasing two thousand copies of the book i'm, nice. I'm releasing the audio book version are you reading it? Or? Yeah, I'm reading. Awesome. Oh. Hell yeah. You gotta have my mother. <laughs> Get that one on nice. Audible. Nice. Yeah. So we got that. We got Meet Us for Pussies. And I'm working on another book now. I'm doing a book on addiction. Nice. Uh, and then I'm doing all these smaller books, like little self-help books. Like awesome. Like shit. Just, you know, I like writing, man. It's part of my thing. I always knew I was going to be a writer, man. It's bugged out, like. Even in the foster home, I would write these stories, and the fucking English teacher was like, how the fuck? She's like, you need to keep doing this. And I remember her because, like, she always encouraged me to keep writing. And then, like, I remember the first, I went home on a home visit because my mother was suicidal, like, after what my father did to her. She was on meds. I wrote this fucking like vampire, like 10 page vampire story. For some reason, I gave it to her. You know, and then she said, hey, you wrote this as a kid and gave it back to me. But it's just a whole, you know, path and journey. And writing is like, I didn't go to therapy and do all this shit. I went and wrote a 400 fucking page book to work my shit out. That's how I got it done. And I knew that if I didn't come clean on everything, we would sexually abuse the whole shit in this home. By the older foster kids that were in there that were like 18 were doing shit to us because they were bigger and whatever and fucking threatened us and all this shit and the foster father took me to a mental institution if I ever say anything he's gonna put me like fucked up shit to do to kids and I never worked it out and that's why I was like those scars didn't heal and that's why when shit went bad with the band in 87 I fell into the fucking addiction and crack for like almost two years and pills and fucking violence again fucking yoking people up and just taking their shit and I was like the crackhead that you didn't want to meet in the alleyway if you had one. Oh, it sounds drugs. like it. And this is all this is all coming out in this. It's in, in the, the new book. release. It's in, yeah, awesome. it's, I mean, it was in the first release. We're just doing. We sold ten thousand copies on our own. I'm adapting it for the screen now. Nice. So I'm talking with Elgin James, who did the book Little Birds, and he comes from a similar background of fucked up family life. He was in a gang member. He got put in federal prison. And he wrote this movie, Little Birds, while he was in prison. And it's fucking, it's a coming of age story about these two girls that live in this small town in Salton Flats or whatever, Salton Sea. And then they go to L.A. and get in all this trouble. And it's like, mm -hmm. he won some shit at Sundance. And now he's writing the uh, spinoff to Sons of Anarchy. 
And he's the fucking coolest dude. He comes from punk rock hardcore in Boston. You know, he's like, yo, if I had a big director that was going to direct it, but she's too busy now. She won an Academy Award, whatever. And uh, he's like, if she doesn't do it, I would love to take a shot at it. So now I'm like, yeah, nice. man, you get it. You know, you Great. Nice. So yeah, got- I'm working on film and T. I wrote two TV pilots. I'm signed with ICM in Hollywood. And also, yeah. you'll be racing Kona. Kona in World a few weeks, right? Do you have your number yet for Kona? No, I just, I just actually registered. Uh, it came in. My registration came in Friday because I'm racing uh, for a charity. Oh, I didn't okay, qualify. That's what everyone. <laughs> what race did you qualify? I was like, did they go? Did you qualify? Yeah. I said, yeah, because I collected forty-five thousand motherfucking dollars, so I qualified. <laughs> I'm fat and slow. Well, you know what? I get it done. <laughs> well, we'll be rooting you on, tracking you that day. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. day before he races Ironman Louisville. So. Ooh, I, I, that's on my radar for yeah. next year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Louisville. Louisville. Better say, don't say Louisville. You better say Louisville. 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 Say it right. All right. Well, we'll go Kentucky people will correct you. I'll be looking for some inspiration the day before. Yeah, so you yeah. Oh, you race on the Sunday. Sunday. You guys are the Saturday. Ninth. Yeah, so we'll we'll do the recon in Louisville, and then you do some recon in Kona because we want to get there too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah you get, you know, yeah, they, uh, it's meant to be. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, ne- next year. Uh, this is my last year, uh, fifty to fifty four. Now I race fifty five to fifty nine. So hopefully, uh, I'll be uh, going back to Kona. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got. I'm gonna work with a coach actually next year. So that's. I know I need that. I just been putting it off. And I've just been so consumed with, like, touring and writing and all of this shit that it's, like, the coach, it's hard. Like, Orion Mims set programs for me, but it was, like, hard to be, like, okay. Because my schedule, it's not, like, a nine-to-five job. It's, like, my shit is all over the place. And you just, you train when you can and... That's it. Yeah. You know, but it's not, like, a whole big... uh, Like, today was kind of, like, I just did core and stretching and trigger point in the gym it was kind of like a day off tomorrow i'm swimming uh four thousand meters and then working with my trainer and then i'm gonna run probably 15 tomorrow night so i'm starting to step it up and getting in the long rides i'm doing like 90 miles on wednesday and it's good to have i train with people that are plant-based too so they get it like motherfuckers ain't trying to stop to eat a sausage along the road you know I'm not. I'm not training with those people. Sorry, but you know. <laughs> well, dude, you got a lot going on, and you're getting it done. So no excuses yeah, for anybody out no there, man. No excuses, man. You know, it's like you know, and you just got to keep doing it. That's it. And you were generous enough to invite us over to your place oh, and yeah, do this podcast. Like it. It's a small little it's beautiful. place. This is an original Krishna painting I by like a it. famous uh, Hari Krishna it's artist. Beautiful. Yeah, you know, I got a little vibe going here. Me and my lady, Erica Michener, you should Google her too. She's a beast. She has two black belts. Uh, cool. She has the uh, Campbell Institute uh, plant baser. Oh, oh cool. yeah. She, she just got that, that too. Yeah, she's it's great. And she helps so many people. Like, you know, she's really an angel that stepped into my life. You know, I really needed uh, that type of uh, person. You know, she like. I bet she's and she's in- a Buddhist too. She studied in, a, she lived in a in a um, Buddhist ashram in Japan. Like study martial arts. Like she's all about it. You know, you don't see too many people that are like a chick that'd be like, yo, I went to live by myself. She goes to fucking Japan and lives in a Buddhist monastery and studied martial arts. And like since she was a kid, she's all you know. 
She's a very calming influence and calls me on my bullshit when I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah. She's like, no, uh, you need to fucking shut up. Think about it before you open your fucking mouth. Your, your table manners suck. <laughs> She's like, I have to warn people sometimes like, because you grew up in foster homes. It's like feeding time. I swear to God. Sounds like yeah. a good match for you. Yeah, she is. She's great. Well, yeah. thank you so much thank for guys, inviting us into your, your home. Website. Thank you. Really yeah, man. Nice. All right. I think we did it. Cool. We do it? Yeah. Yeah. Call it a day. All right. All right, there you have it. Episode 21 with John Joseph, JJ McGowan. What did you guys think about that? I mean, his story is crazy. And I've heard it a few times, but there was even things that he was talking about during this podcast that just blew me away that I hadn't heard before, like throwing a Colombian drug lord out of a car going 40 miles an hour. I mean, who does that? And who even gets a chance to get this close to somebody who has lived such an incredible life? I mean, we talk about a full life. That has been a full life. He has seen all the spectrums. But I have to tell you, I mean, he is just one of the most genuine people I've ever met. And that's why it was so important for us not to censor him and allow him to really share in his authenticity, which is true to himself. So I also found out that John Joseph's birthday is October 3rd. So we just want to wish him a very, very happy day. And we hope that he understands that the world is a better place every day that he gets to live in it. So We are so thankful of his time. We are thankful of all of you guys for tuning in to sticking with us through the end of this podcast and get to iTunes, leave your review, get yourself in the running. We've got these incredible products, you guys, the Life Straw Bottles BJ and I have been using on the trip. And just a little um, side note there, we were not using them when BJ got a terrible stomach virus when we were in Lake Placid. So who knows? We probably could have saved ourselves that trouble. But there are no mistakes in this life, right? Remember that. It's not a run of bad luck, you guys. It's, it is what it is. And the beautiful thing that we get to do as humans on this earth is we get to bring consciousness into our lives. We get to live it awake. And what that does is that allows us to determine what we are going to bring in to each moment, Right. And if we show up to a moment and we don't like what's going on, well, we are in charge of our reaction to that, our relationship to that. And that's the only thing we have control over. We have control over the vibration of our presence in this life. And so we at Yogi Triathlete, we live and we love and we ask that everyone just give it a try. Keep choosing that high vibe of life.